Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. How's about that? I guess it's my turn again. Yo, yo, man. Hey, it's good to see you. How you doing, brother? Good to see you too, bro. I'm good. How about yourself? Hey, man. Hey, I'm doing pretty well. You know, just quite honestly, I tried not to bother you over the last week. And I, I appreciate that because, you know, you also didn't bother me, you know, so it was, <laughs> it was cool. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that was intentional. Yeah, you know, no, you no, surprised? no, it's good. It's good. Okay. Yeah, good to be back in the chair. And uh, man, you know what? I thought of you. I thought of you today. Uh, well, I thought of you yesterday uh, about LeBron James and MVP conversation because we we've actually talked about this before LeBron usually talks about himself when he's talking about MVPs and how we need to rethink the system. He's usually not saying hey, let's look at this guy that guy that guy. He's talking about his own situation and how maybe we've gotten it wrong over the years and maybe he should be a six or seven time MVP rather than a four time MVP. I was encouraged. And I couldn't disagree with him yesterday when I heard him talking about Steph Curry and he made his case for Steph Curry as the MVP because he said he's the best player. I actually I, I want you to hear LeBron and then I want to hear your take on what LeBron said yesterday. Here's LeBron James uh, after yesterday's game. Um, everybody counting him out this year. Everybody saying that uh, well now that you know Clay is hurt can Steph lead a team. Um, on his own. What is he going to be able to do? Can he carry a team on his own? Can he carry a team into the postseason? Can he keep a team afloat? Um, <clears throat> he's done that and more. Um, he's, um, I think he's has the most uh, 40 point, um, I don't know if it was 40 point games or something like that, or the most, uh, most he got the most three point, uh, most 10, uh, 10 threes made. Um, in a season, um, he's broke his own record for how many threes he's made this year. Um, I think he scored like 30 points in the second half of games, like eight times this year or nine times this year. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything else. Uh, if you're looking for MVP, if if Steph is not on Golden State's team, then um, you know what, what are what are we looking at? You know, and we get we get all we get caught up in a record. Sometimes we get caught up in oh, okay, who's the who has the best record? And you know, instead of just saying who had the best season that year, uh, and Steph has had, in my opinion, the the best season uh, all year. Steph has had the best season all year. He makes the case for Steph Curry as MVP. Uh, do you agree with him? Do you agree with, with both statements that he's had the best season, which is a big statement. It really is a big statement, Mike. And 
He deserves to be MVP this year for the Golden State Warriors who check in as the HC playing that playing game against the Lakers. Uh, this is a cool stat I came across from Stat Muse. Uh, the Warriors offense this season with Steph on the floor is 10th in the league. With Steph off the floor, worst in the last five years. Um, so that's, that's one measure uh, of his value. Uh, but I got to start, before I, before I get to whether or not Steph is the MVP, I got to get to rejecting the premise. Because LeBron did that thing that annoys me. And I try not to that do is. it. Maybe I've, everybody, everybody said this. Everybody said that. Everybody questioned this. Everybody questioned that. What no everybody. There were a handful of dumbasses, handful of loudmouths, some written, some spoken, who suggested that Steph Curry had something to prove and he was going to prove whether he was legit this year, that he was going to prove whether or not he was a product of the talent around him, whether he was a product of the system, as if he weren't the freaking system all along, okay? That Steph Curry somehow was going to be judged. Oh, now we can see what Steph Curry's really about, not at Clay's hurt, not at KD's gone, which was ridiculous to begin with. But what it did was it gave Steph a narrative that he never had, or at least he hasn't had since he became two-time MVP and the first ever unanimous MVP. And that's an underdog narrative. He had some people to prove wrong. And one of the many things that an MVP needs and what Jokic, by comparison, has lacked is a narrative. Jokic has just been brilliant, start to finish. Played in every game, been dominant. By any metric, he's the MVP. Advanced stats, basic stats, he deserves it. He's done nothing to not be MVP. Let me just get that out the way. But as far as Steph, I find it interesting that LeBron, and I'm not saying he's wrong. LeBron's not wrong about anything he said, but I'm just I'm rejecting his initial premise about what, you know, what Steph was up against this season. And I find it interesting that LeBron was used as the foil for Steph Curry because the Steph Curry resentment, the Steph Curry hatred, the Steph Curry skepticism started when he and not LeBron James and not Michael Jordan was the first ever unanimous MVP. As if he had something to do with individual voters all seeing it the same way that season. Right. So it was held. It was it was held against Steph Curry. Oh, why, why is he unanimous MVP? He doesn't deserve. He, why, why why is he the first ever unanimous MVP? And a lot of the Steph Curry skepticism and hatred and slander was born from that. Not to mention going out and getting Kevin Durant after they blew a three-one lead to LeBron. And we can get off into how Steph has not it never, been as it never had in the, the finals. finals. Never, Never having a final. Exactly. He's, he's not quite. Yeah. He hasn't been himself in the finals for the most part for whatever reason. And there's no question about it. When Ke the moment Kevin Durant joined the Golden State Warriors, Kevin Durant became the best player on the Golden State Warriors. But that's in no way to diminish Steph Curry's greatness and his impact that he's had on the way the game is played and the Warriors success and their system was always built on the attention that Steph Curry drew. So let me start by just like rejecting this idea that it was a legitimate question. What was Steph Curry going to do this year? That was dumb. It was dumb then and it's dumb now. 
Now, having said all of that, him going out and being the oldest scoring champion since Michael Jordan, him joining uh, Kareem and Jordan, and I believe Wilt is the other one. Am I right? That's only people with Will, multiple scoring right. titles, multiple MVPs, and multiple championships. Right. So you ask to see the MVP. You can make a case for him, and LeBron just did. If he won MVP, I wouldn't be mad. I just think Jokic has been phenomenal and deserves it. Um, mm. And, but ultimately, deserves ultimately, got nothing to do with. Deserves it. got nothing to do with it. But ultimately, ultimately though, Michael, I, I also it also doesn't matter much because I think, and not to get too far off track here, and I, I'll give it back to you. I don't want I don't want to pound the rock here too too badly. Um, Steph's got something more valuable than MVP right now. And, he, and what, he's get, what he's getting right now is a level of respect that, for whatever reason that I just mentioned, had eluded him. Look, I, I, would, I would venture to say, what's the difference between two-time and three-time when you're already all-time? What is the difference right. between two-time MVP and three-time MVP when you're already the greatest of all time? So him getting a third MVP... I don't know if that does as much for him as hearing a LeBron James say he's the MVP of our league, in my opinion. That counts for a hell of a lot. And secondly, those idiots who thought he had something to prove going into this season, he's got universal respect right now that he, because of doing more with less, with all due respect to his teammates, doing more with less now got him a different level of respect that he had coming into this season. And with that, I'll stop. Yeah, yeah, but you can't stop because you started something. You started something here. What well, I kept going? I, I mean, in the interest of this being a two-person show. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> That's two what I'll come back. I, I but, you know, I just, yeah, I didn't want to keep going. Listen, I you know. know. <laughs> hey, man, I, I'm going to get my shots. You know, I know that. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I mean, and throughout the course of the throughout the flow of the game, I, I'll get my shots. I, I'm cool with it. But I, yeah. I'm interested. Like I wanted you. I was waiting for you to say something that you never said. I, I, I was waiting for some type of phrasing, and it never quite got there because you have you have rode with Jokic all season long. You have said he's Did MVP. I? And you no, said I didn't. Wait, whoa, have, whoa, wait, no, I didn't. No, yo, well, you did. No, no, wait, Michael. No, wait a minute. You did. Did I? You had Jokic. Okay, I'll take also, it. Yes. Oh, I, no, I, I, I see. No, a, I'm the guy. I'm not a pejorative. I'm, 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 I'll take him. <laughs> no, but wait, I got no problem. We, we ain't been going. We ain't I got been no going problem with Jokic. Just for house, just for housekeeping purposes. Just real quick for housekeeping yeah. purposes. We ain't been apart that long for you to be yeah. forgetting. You know, I, you know, for you to be forgetting what what you've been consistent on Jokic. I was the person who the longest time had Harden before he got hurt as MVP. And I was the person you who introduced the idea. Well, I wasn't questioning Jokic. Yeah, you, I, I was questioning you, no, man, whether or not this season. You raised a question about why is it? Yeah. This, a lot of the stuff that LeBron was talking about, this season, under these circumstances, is it right to let injury disqualify yeah, yeah. Yeah. MVP candidates, including LeBron? And, and that was perceived by somebody who's going to join us later in the show, as a matter of fact. Haberstroh, Tom Haberstroh is joining us. Haberstroh thought that I was discrediting Nikola Jokic, and that's, that's the last thing I was doing. 
So just for housekeeping purposes. Uh, so go right ahead. Take it back. Well, well, I, I think it's interesting. You just said here a few minutes ago how Jokic is MVP by any measure, any metric, on and on. I mean, but do you think he's game. having the best season? <laughs> See, LeBron, LeBron said flat out, Steph Curry has had the best season. So I'm with That's you subjective. in rejecting what LeBron said. Hey, people question if Steph can lead a team. Well, shame on them. Shame on them. Hey, here's a game called basketball. It was introduced by Dr. James so Smith right down I the road from me, Springfield, Massachusetts. Okay. All right. Hey, okay. We, we know. We know. Ain't nobody questioning Steph. But LeBron said he's having the best season. Do you agree that Steph Curry has had the best season in the NBA this year? Because if you agree with that, then yeah, give him the MVP. If he's had the best season. I agree with the whole logic. Hey, why do we why do we focus on the record? Uh, let's look at who's had the best season and give it to that person, whether their team is the number one seed or the number eight seed. Now I actually do subjective. think Jokic has had a better season. Huh? Well, there you go. So no, no. I mean, and, and this there that's very subjective. In my opinion, he's. Had I know. The that's why I'm season. asking you. So. That's why I'm yes, asking but you. No, but I'm saying like, but okay, if I if I was so inclined, I could make a case for Steph Curry, and I'm sure somebody will make a case for Steph Curry when the ballots are released. I would not be surprised to see him get a handful, if not more, first place votes, because somebody will buy into the notion that he did more with quote unquote less, or that look at the Warriors without Steph Curry, as I just referenced, or. Look at the, the historic numbers that he put up, you know, so I could you can make a case for Steph Curry, but you can't objectively say that he had and is having or just had just concluded the best season because there are other metrics and measures that suggest that it's Nikola Jokic, both advanced and traditional. It really comes down to which every individual voter, how they view what what most valuable player means, because it's interesting that LeBron is joining this conversation as an outsider for the first time. Because if it was best player or even best season, yes, LeBron would have more. But because it's a lot more nuanced than that, and it is right. oftentimes best player on best team or best newcomer or a combination of seating and record and statistics and, of course, Narrative. And uh, Jokic doesn't have a I was gonna say in that word you used earlier. That's it. Yeah, That's it. Jokic That's doesn't right. have a great one unless this escaped me. I don't think he has a great one. I mean, we've kind of no. given him one, but well, he's kind of gotten one insofar as it's like, well, so many people have tried to discredit him until now he's his season is underrated and underappreciated because people have tried to give it to other people or find excuses to not give it to him. Um, but I don't think he has that same narrative other than he's a fresh face because then fatigue comes in comes in. I mean, the person who's been left out of this conversation probably more than anybody this year has been Giannis Antetokounmpo. But he's back to yeah. back, and so he had an uphill battle coming in. So has Steph had the best season? He's had a phenomenal season. I'll put it this way, and I know I said this before we went on break. He's had the most memorable season. I think more people remember what Steph did well, this year, specifically that. last month, than they will remember that Nikola Jokic won MVP this year. Unless Jokic goes on to win another handful of MVPs, then maybe people will 
rattle off the years he wanted. But this is the year. This I don't know. was the year. This was a season of Steph. This was Steph's season. This was a season of Steph coming off a year in which we missed him. And I love quoting Jeffrey Osborne. It takes separation to bring appreciation. We got him for five games last year, and we got the greatest showman back this year. And this was the season of Steph. Looking back, when we talk about Steph and where he ranks in the pantheon of not only greatest shooters, but greatest point guards and greatest players of all time, what he did this season will come up very early in the conversation. And that, to me, matters more than the trophy. The trophy that every single season without fail. And Michael, I don't want to contradict myself because I know we had an argument recently about what is more valuable, finals MVP or league MVP. And most people are with me that it's league MVP. So I'm not trying to diminish the value of league MVP. But what I am saying is that very award, that regular season award, so many people year after year clamor for that award to be presented after the playoffs. Because oftentimes the regular season MVP, where there was, you know, Dirk Nowitzki, the year that we believe Warriors, I think it was the same year, where there was Giannis last right. year, so often the regular season MVP runs up against the best player. Okay? And that best player, who, and I took that personally, whether it was Jordan against Kong or anybody else, ends up reminding everybody who's got the crown, if not the trophy which I'll get to another question about in a second. But yeah, I mean, that's where I'm at with Steph. I feel like Steph, Steph doesn't need the MVP. He's already got the recognition and the respect and the reference for what he did this year under the circumstances. It added something to his resume that, that's not quite that that goes beyond stats. It's, wait, oh, look what he did with, in, despite injuries, with a young team carrying him to the playoffs that goes a longer way than what somebody does on a team with a better record which is often the product of a better supporting cast so in that regard LeBron is right I think record is overrated in the MVP conversation um, but I just I can't bring myself to take it from Nikola Jokic he's been just too good all season long in every game yeah yeah uh, so a couple things Steph Steph and his showmanship Steph and his memorable game. Absolutely. Yeah, look, it's, I think it's part of it is Mike. It's the way he plays. You got a guy at that size who can shoot from anywhere on the uh, on the court. And as you pointed out multiple times when he plays the game, he's fully in it. Uh, he is expressing he is he, he is a, a basketball player illustrated. You know, this is not like we don't see cool Steph. Oh, I wonder what he's feeling right now. I wonder if he liked that shot. I wonder if he's having fun playing the game. Yeah, you know, with Steph, he makes a shot. He lets you know about it. If it's something, if it's a big deal, he expresses it just as you're consuming it either at home or if you're one of the few people who's been fortunate enough to see him up close this season. So it's, it's just his style of play is more memorable than Jokic's style of play. I, I think that there's no question about that. But I like what LeBron had to say about the way we think about MVPs. I think we need to think about MVPs in a completely different way. I don't know if that if that new way of looking at MVPs from a voting perspective, I don't know if that results in LeBron getting two more or two fewer, quite honestly. I don't know if 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 the same logic, if that logic is applied that LeBron asked people to apply last night. 
He's got fewer MVPs, I think. Because now we're looking all over the league. Now we're looking at eight seeds and seven seeds. Now we're looking maybe even at, at guys who don't make the playoffs. I think that'd be hard. But we're looking at everybody. What Essentially, if I had to break down what he's saying, what he's saying is, why are we just focused on maybe seven or eight teams for the MVP? I wouldn't even say seven we or eight. We should look at a lot of people. Seven or eight. I think I think for the I think for the most part, I would say it, it's if you're talking about just team success, it's probably much less than that, right? It's probably okay. four tops, top two, three, six, yeah, typically. Yeah, four or five. Typically. Yeah, because I, I think um, not only not only do I think that, that Steph is is worthy of it. I mean, I think Steph could make not one of those oh nice, uh, you know, a nice little courtesy. Oh, sure, he's MVP candidate, but everybody knows he's got to go to Jokic. I'm talking about a real, a real case for MVP because look at what he did. Like there, and there, if anybody I votes like for guys Steph Curry, who, if anybody votes for Steph Curry, nobody's going to be like, "What were you thinking?" Like nobody's going to want to want to rescind their vote. If he wins it, if he wins it, it'd be controversial. I wouldn't look at it as kind of I wouldn't look at it, but just based on voting trends based on what it's been. I okay, think the lowest love you'll love this. You know, the low, you, who's you the know lowest who would, you know who would have who Westbrook Russ. I think it's Russ. I think it's Westbrook. Yeah, you know who you know who would have an issue. Okay, you ready for this alley-oop you ready for this D Wade LeBron alley-oop back in the heatles days. You know who would have an issue if Steph Curry is MVP the analytics community. The uh, this community, <laughs> which, they would they would point to the fact that Jokic is number one in PER, win shares, offensive win shares, win shares per forty eight minutes, box plus minus, offensive block bo- box plus minus, VORP. Um, am I missing anything? VORP. That's it. I mean, it just you know, for a top three seed. So. But I don't think one day, one day I want to come on here. Crime, I don't think it'd be criminal. I don't think it would be criminal yeah. to give it to Steph Curry. I don't, I, I don't think so either. I, I just, yeah. One day I'm just gonna say, one day uh, in the next couple of weeks, I want to come on and have a passionate VORP argument with you. We just argue VORP, like you know, spit flying, eyes bugging, sweat pouring, <laughs> VORP. Well, we essentially did debate. That. We essentially did that. Cup, but a couple of things I want to. Yeah. A couple of things I want to go back to with LeBron, and we and we cut the sound shorter than I, I than I wanted. I don't I don't think we included the part uh, at the end how we ended it. He said, uh, but nobody followed up on it. And maybe it's just because of the Zoom technology. You know, nobody either picked up on it or followed up on it. He said to conclude his MVP case for Steph. Again, I don't think we played this. He said. Uh, He's not going to get it, and that's a whole other conversation. And I would love to yeah. know what he was referencing. I would what, love to know what yeah. he meant by a whole other conversation. Like, and because w- it sounds like, like a shot at what conversation. It sounds like a shot at Jokic. It sounds like a shot. Could have been. You, it could have been a shot at the media. Way? Could I, no? I, yes, possibly. Possibly uh, could have been a shot at Jokic. Could have been a shot at the at the media. And our desire to find somebody new to give it to. Um, it could have meant a lot of things. I'd love to know that. But the other thing, um, but I, I'm not gonna speculate about what it is, because I don't I don't know. It could be any number of things, but I just want to point that out. 
And the last thing is uh, LeBron is quite calculating, as we know. Um, this epic playing game that we were all hoping for, we get it Wednesday night. Um, nobody thought the Lakers would be in it until recently, of course. And then, right, you know, LeBron is uh, is, is we always think that he's in recruiting mode, you know. So there's there's some speculation, some cynicism, some skepticism, whatever you want to call it, that LeBron's not just showing love for the sake of showing love. That there's either one or two or both ulterior motives at play. That one day he wants to play with Steph, which I think is a stretch because I don't think Steph is going to factor in LeBron saying nice things. I mean, or the one, you know, or the other one, which we agree on. And and what's that? And we'll get to. We'll definitely get to more of this later. Is narrative like that that, that n-word we've been using a lot the narrative that they're going to have the toughest road of any champion or defending champion that we've ever seen starting with the de facto MVP in the playing game all right so you so you think you think you think so so how so what percentage all right before we go to break then before we go to break and we'll come back to this later but what percentage do you think is sincerity and him being slick when it comes to laying it on thick for Steph Curry. Sincerity 80. Slick, uh, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Sincerity 20%. Laying it on thick 80. <laughs> because I, I think okay. it's all about. Look, so this, so they, at the end of the day, I know it's it. all about LeBron. At I know the what they're going to do. It's about LeBron. It comes back to him. It's about LeBron. Uh, absolutely. It's, never, it's not really about Absolutely. Steph. Yeah, okay. All right. Hey, hey, you All said right. the part we didn't play. We didn't play the part at the end or the part at the beginning where first of all, I said, you know, we're both, you know, both from Akron. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. I, you know, both born in Northeast Ohio. So I just got to, you know, act. obviously he grew up in Charlotte, but I just want to put that. It comes back to him. Right. So something I can in the water. Already, something in the water here. Yeah. Yeah. It's the DNA. We got that DNA. That's what he said. Man. Yeah. I already know what the Lakers yearbooks gonna say. If, if you give LeBron, <laughs> if you get LeBron James a pen and a paper, a stereo, a taper, or you give him, you just let him write the season. I know what it's gonna say already. If they win it, the hardest road, no seven seed has ever won this thing. We had to go through. We had to go through like the number two seed. We had to take on the number one. We had to take on the top two seeds to win. Like, oh, it's already. It's about him. Ultimately, yeah. it's about him. Especially coming off, especially coming off last year, because remember, coming off last year, the, in the bubble, as mentally challenging as the bubble experience was, there's still some people because there's always some people. You can always count on some people to hate. Some people were discrediting the championship last year based on who they avoided as if the late it was the Lakers fault for the Clippers clipping or it was the Lakers right. fault that the heat caught fire and knocked out Giannis in the Eastern Conference that he didn't get it, that he didn't see the two time MVP um, in route to a championship. So some people uh, tried to assign an asterisk next to last year's championship. So certainly, yeah, there's there's a part of LeBron that's looking because LeBron's got bigger fish to fry. LeBron, we have, we don't talk about it. You and I haven't talked about it in a while, and by a while I mean two weeks. But there's the ongoing conversation. 
that LeBron is in the midst of. I mean, even yesterday, one of the other sound bites he had, I don't know why, I guess it was the first trilogy that came to mind. He could have done better. But he likened his career to the Godfather trilogy. Because I'm like, you know, I don't think you have a I don't I, I don't think you have a Godfather three in your in your career. No, you arc. don't. No, you don't. That's okay. No, you're That's okay. But I fortunately, mean, fortunately, but he you don't pointed have out. Him. He pointed out that he, he he went to battle with the Hall of with the NBA Hall of Fame inductees um, from from the weekend. Kevin Garnett, when Garnett came to the Celtics, as you well know, Kobe Bryant, when they met and they were they were rivals from afar. You know, they were they, they were often being compared to each other, the late great Kobe Bryant. And obviously Tim Duncan early in his career. Um, well, not just early, but faced Duncan twice, I beg your pardon, um, in the finals and lost them both. So you so know, face LeBron, three LeBron times. is uh, the being Faced them three times in three. the finals, including that first oh, one. Right. Remember that they first one? one? Yeah, one one yeah. They were one and yeah, one and how could I forget that? One and two. Sorry. I'm thinking yeah. about the I'm thinking about the last one with the heat, of course. Um, who could forget yeah. um, the uh, the second title? Sorry, thank you for catching that. Um, but point being, LeBron being such a astute student of history certainly recognizes what a story this would be if the Lakers were to come through. But come on, man, you got to know. People going to say the Jazz were fraudulent. People going to say the Suns weren't ready. People going to say the Clippers yeah. clipped. I mean, like, there's just there's you know. It, Come on, man. Like, no, but that's when he, he was right. They when can, he people said, can say that doesn't matter. He was right about that because it doesn't matter. He's not right. You're LeBron James. He's 100% he's not right, right. About that. No, he's not. That seating doesn't no, matter. No, he's not. Why not? It's seating. Are we saying the same thing? Or are we talking about the same thing? No, no. We, we, I, I, I think I'm it does matter. How, I'm talking about how, in terms of how it's remembered. How it's remembered. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, how it's remembered? Yeah. Nobody remembers the seed, but I think for their purposes, yeah, it's LeBron. But they're. What they're trying to do, what the Lakers are trying to do is going to be difficult, and I, I personally don't think they're going to pull it off. I, I, you know, I think too many people are being casual about the Lakers. Oh, yeah, Lakers fine. Hey, seven seed, eight seed, play in, doesn't matter. No, it matters. It's, you know what, there's their seed. I'll say this quickly. I don't know if we're up against it, um, but I, I'll say no, this. we're all right. We're good. Okay, I'll take my time then. Ha <laughs> um, One of the things about one of the things about these champions, the reason you don't have many low-seeded champions is because it's difficult to do. If you got a, if you're a, a one or two seed, what you almost guarantee yourself of is a gimme. Let's face it, there are a lot of gimmies. Ones and eights. It, you, every now and then you'll get that eight seed that's about that life, but most of the time they're not. Twos and sevens, no, usually not. So it's usually a, it's usually a disparity, it's usually a talent disparity between one and eight, two and seven. Usually, now they usually. don't have an easy series, including their playing game on Wednesday. It's not going to be easy. I think they'll win it. It's not going to be easy. Oh, God, you got oh, God, no. Last person I want to see. They, at, least they got, no, at least they got two shots. There's no there. easy pass. Last person them. I want to see is Steph Curry. Well, no, but it, I, right. I, I agree with you that it's going to be challenging, but here's the thing. Like, look, last person you want to see, and it's not a winner-take-all game. It's not a winner-go-home game because they get two shots at it, but you don't want to see Steph Curry in one game. You know, if he goes supernova, you know, and by the way, Last night was right. his 49th. Yesterday was his 49th 40-point game. 
that's how many Shaq had his entire career. Let's put that keep that in mind when you talk about the brilliance of Steph Curry um, and the degree of difficulty that he's doing it with. But point I just wanted to make was you don't see many low seeds advance because they're low seeds for a reason. Most low seeds aren't the defending champions. Most lower seeds right. don't have right. still the best player. So nobody is crying any tears for the Lakers in their path. And I don't believe anybody's going to give him any extra credit. If he is being, if this is about, you know, kind of playing up the path. Now, the only thing they got to do is win 17. I games will though. Instead of six. if they do, you're going to give him extra credit. Listen, if they win this, I will. If they do, Why? but 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 Mike, okay. If I don't think they're going because it's, it's hard. Still, they still got LeBron James. It's, it's, it's they have not, chosen. It's not hard. They don't. They don't have. They they won't have home court advantage. But when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis win healthy, two of the top five players in the game, then the seeds are thrown out. I don't care if you got a seven yeah, or eight yeah. next to you. You're not a seven and eight based on merit. You're a seven or eight based on based know, on bro, injury. Bro. Okay, bro, right, bro. I, good, I, good to know. Keep... So, got you. So you're on record then. You're on record. When they on lose record. to the Warriors, but beat the Grizzlies or Spurs, and they're the eighth seed, good. I'm glad to know you'll be picking the Utah Jazz to beat the Lakers. Great to know. No, no, the team no, I'm you not. Called elevator no, music, I, I didn't say you that. You got them. That's what you just I said. Didn't say that's that. what you just no, said. No. You, you, you know, you say the Jazz or the. You, no, I said oh, well, the well, championship. Well, that's, that's what. I said the championship. I don't think they'll win the championship. Now they might. They might win a series. They might win two. Uh-huh. I don't think they'll win the title. Uh-huh. I don't okay. I think, because. We keep saying when healthy, I think it's just too we're too casual with the Lakers. I don't think they're gonna get to the win healthy point. They're not it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. Okay, well that's them. fair. That's this fair. Year. Okay, that's fair. And we really do have to go to break, but that's fair. That's fair. Roll the music, Gary. That's fair. If you're saying that they're not fully healthy. But what I'm saying is on paper, right. all right, on paper, as long as you got LeBron and Anthony Davis, I don't think anybody's looking at them as an underdog. Okay, and, and so seven. This okay. is like no different than when the Rockets won it. Yeah, never enough to be the heart of a champion. They had a Kim Olajuwon. You know what I mean? It's like nobody's looking back at me like, man, that team really came out of nowhere. Nobody's gonna say the Lakers came out of nowhere and shocked the world. If they win, if they win the play-in game and win three series and win the championship again, nobody's gonna be shocked because they still got LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So, all right, we got yeah. a guest coming up. Let's not keep them waiting any longer. We're gonna take this break, and on the other side, um, we'll talk some football with the Super Bowl champion. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, now good to be joined by Super Bowl champion safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Antoine Winfield Jr. Good to see you, brother. How's it going? Antoine, you got us? Yeah, it kind of it's kind of lagged a little bit, but I'm doing well. How you guys doing? Oh, okay. Yeah, doing uh, great. Good, man. Good. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, we'll try to make sure we get this, keep this communication clean. Well, we appreciate you joining us, man. Let's let's just start with that, man. Like, I guess it never gets old hearing Super Bowl champion Antoine <laughs> Winfield Jr. Just like just what, what kind of cloud nine are you still on uh, these weeks since the Super Bowl? Yeah, I'm um, still on cloud nine. Uh, it's always good hearing that uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. Super Bowl champ. So you know, I'm still enjoying it. Um, but it's it's about to get to that time where we got to go back and do it again, man. You know, many camps coming up, and then before you know it, it's going to be the season. So it, we got to go ahead and reach that high again. You know, a, a lot of people win championships, and they look back, Antoine, and they say, all right, uh, this was the key point in the season, or I knew in week 10 that we were going to do it, whatever it was. When did you When did you know, if you ever did, okay, I think we're going to win the championship? When did you get to that point? I would say... After we beat New Orleans in the playoffs, um, they were going to be a huge, tough competition because we lost to them twice during the regular season. And um, I felt like that was a huge statement game. And I knew, I felt like if we could beat the Saints and get past them, I felt like we we're going to win the Super Bowl. So that's probably when I felt it. And now you guys bring everybody back. Unprecedented era of free agency for the entire team to run it back. So when you think about, I mean, I, I was actually surprised that you say New Orleans in the playoffs. I thought it might have been toward the end of the regular season. So that's relatively late for things to kind of click and for y'all yeah. to get that that championship feeling about yourselves. Not that everybody is coming back. How much more is there for this team uh, to grow? In other words, what kind of level can y'all reach? Can't go much higher than oh, you. Man. How much better can y'all be with everybody coming back? Yeah, I feel like we're going to be so much better. You know, everybody has already played with each other for a year. So we've got a year under our belt. And um, I feel like this year it's going to be crazy and ridiculous to see how we do. Um, I got a good feeling about it. Um, it's fun. It's cool having everybody back. It's weird. I did not think we was going to get everybody back. We literally got every single person back, which is impressive. But, um, I mean, the sky's the limit for us. I can't wait to see what we do. You know, uh, Antoine, you, you, you're going to see why I'm asking you this question in a second. It's a two-part question. Part one is simple. Uh, have you ever thought how long you want to play football? To what age? What's a good age to play the game of football to? Yeah, I always said I want to play for 10 years. So after 10 years, I think that, that's what I want to go to. And then from there, we're just going to go with the flow. But I want to play a good 10 years. All right, so 10 years, you got a quarterback – Who's in his mid forties, legitimately right. mid forties? Um, A quarterback and, who your dad heard, played against. Right, <laughs> and, and your dad played against him. It's crazy. Yeah, and and general manager Jason Light says uh, here on Peacock, "Hey, 
you know, Tom, Tom, I play till he's 50. Like, can you put Tom Brady just into perspective for us as a as a teammate of his and just as a fan of football that you are? Yeah, man, that's the goat right there, man. Um, what I like about Tom is just the way he works. I mean, he works like hard literally every single day. He's very passionate about the game. Um, he's a cool dude. You know, a lot of people ask me, how's Tom? How's Tom? Like, he's a cool dude, cool layback dude. But, um, you know, it was great just being able to watch him work because, you know, some of his qualities, you know, I try to emulate my game. And just as far as, like, how he studies the game and how he just plays, it, it, it's amazing to see, especially how he's doing it at such, at such an old age to be in the NFL. So it's crazy. Well, he, well he's an OG and you're on the younger side. But both of y'all got something in common. Y'all both could be a little petty when you want to be. I mean, you know, you, you chucked up that those deuces to Tyreek Hill and Tom Brady, Michael, we've watched him for his whole career. I've never seen Tom Brady as, as chirpy as he was in the Super Bowl, specifically to Tyron Matthew. I say all that to yeah. say this, Antoine, what kind of trash talk have you been on the receiving end of? Or have you heard him dish out in practice? What's the best Tom Brady trash talk story you got for us? You know what? He's real, like, smooth with it. Like, he'll throw in, like, little soft jabs or something. He's not really – he don't really talk too much when he's out there practice, but he'll throw, like, like, some little, like, Kirky sands in there. But um, it's, it's not really too much. But uh, he'll give you a little smile or something after he beats you on a play or point at you or something like that. That's just about all he does in practice and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, want, I want you to um, – I really I – I want you to tell us about the venture that you have going on your own apparel line. So tell us about that first, and then I'll have a question. After you tell us about the apparel, I got a question about the process. So tell us what you got going on. Yeah, for sure. So um, I partnered up with Dynasty X Pro. Um, right now, we'll start with some T-shirts that we came out with. You know, I always wanted to, you know, get out some clothes for fans and, you know, family and everything like that. So we're starting with some T-shirts, and then eventually we're going to move on and do more things. Um, but that's what we're kind of working on right now. And, and and the and the process question I have for you is like we, you know, I, I just know with Mike and I in the in the business that we're in, we hear young people all the time say, "Well, how do I get into broadcast? How do I get into media?" And we just say, "Hey, you do this, you do that," as if people just know how that how that process goes. So we hear athletes saying they have an apparel line. We say, "Oh yeah, all right, that's great." But how did you get started? I mean, is that something you always? wanted to do did somebody come to you like what just just how did you get uh just get involved in what you're doing right now yeah it was something that i always wanted to do and um i kind of talked to my agent and we kind of like set a plan and then um i got with the dynasty x pro guys and we just kind of set it up and so we're working on the shirts right now um further down the line we'll have some more stuff out there but it was always something i always wanted to do from a young age yeah very you young age no, I would say, like, after I got to the, like, league, I'm like, when I get to the league, you know, I'm definitely, you know, you see everybody else's apparel, you see their logos and everything. I'm like, I want to do something like that. Yeah, because when you, when you mentioned, I thought about your, the clothing line, which I knew we were going to talk to, but, Michael, I don't know about you, but when you, you mentioned 10 years, you know, it's like you had that, you know, that's a good, that's a good long career. Not a lot of people are yeah. blessed to play in the NFL for 10 years, but you, you right. that, that number... I, it feels like I'm guessing, and, and that's what I love to ask you about. Like you put a lot of thought into it as it relates to outside interest. So, what would you like to do when those ten years are up? God willing, you play those ten years and win several more Super Bowls. What's what are you looking toward after football, or what are some of your outside interests even now? 
Yeah, um, after football, I always wanted to create my own business. Um, not sure exactly what line of work I want to do it in, but right now I'm currently thinking of different uh, plans and things that I can do afterwards. So create my own business is something I'll do after football. That's smart, man. Like, you know, don't don't yeah. wait till you got to make that that transition. No, not at all. You know, start start planning and laying the foundation for that right now. Speaking of laying the foundation, though, man, I, I'd like to get to just the fact that you as a, I think you played in something like ninety eight percent of the snaps last year. Yeah. Um, and that's without a traditional offseason. Your process, from in terms of professional football, was compromised, of course, by the pandemic and COVID last year. Like, what can we expect to see from you in year two? given what a high bar you set for yourself in year one, now that you'll have what we think is a more traditional lead-up to the regular season. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, currently, I'm just working on all aspects of my game. Um, I feel like I can, I can be way better in a lot of areas, and I felt like as the season went on week to week, I feel like I just gradually got better and better. But, um, you know, I'm still out here working, trying to, you know, be the best that I can be, and so I want to work uh, – better on, you know, taking the ball away. You know, you give that offense, you give Tom the ball, man, we're going to score more touchdowns. So that's ultimately what I'm working on, you know, trying to make plays and make things happen on the defensive side. You're trying to get the picks has, up, basically. Has, picks, picks, yeah. force fumbles, sacks. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get all my stats up. <laughs> all right. I, I'm wondering uh, if anybody has said anything to you about how people come for Super Bowl champions. I mean, you know, Brady knows, but Brady's not the only one on your team uh, with, with Super Bowl experience. Has anybody mentioned that to you, whether it's on the Buccaneers or any other former pros, and just give you a, a, a hint of what's coming for you and the rest of the Buccaneers this year? Because it's going to be like the Super Bowl every week when people oh, play yeah. you guys. Yeah, no, everybody's going to bring, bring the A game. Um, that's kind of how it was against KC this year. We knew, like, playing against them, like, I feel like everybody's mentality was different because, you know, they were the uh, Super Bowl champions um, last year, the past year. And so I feel like it's going to be like that every week against us now. Everybody's going to be gunning for our heads because we won the Super Bowl. So it, it, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Was there Speaking anything which, so when the schedule in that game? Came off, oh. oh, I'm sorry, Mike. Ahead, Mike. Sorry, Mike, just real quick. I was just thinking about the, the Super Bowl. And there's so much hype around the game and uh, the fact that it was in your home stadium. Was there anything about the game that was extra? Because people always say, prepare for it. It's a different game. It's a different length. Halftime is longer. As you look back on it, uh, did, did you find yourself nervous in the first quarter? Or was it, was it too much stuff, uh, too much peripheral stuff? Just your, your, your takeaway from looking at a, a Super Bowl in your home stadium. Yeah, you know, playing in the Super Bowl, you know, it's always a lot of hype around it. Um, I feel like for us, the team, our goal was just to block out everything, all the outside noise, and just focus on what we had going on. And um, as far as me, like, preparing for the Super Bowl, that's kind of what I did. Um, I didn't really go on social media or anything like that. I kind of just was ready to play, man. I was studying every day and night. And um, it's funny because every time we would, like, go to the facility and practice and things like that, you could see the stadium and you could see all the Super Bowl banners and everything. And so my goal is really just to stay focused and um, keep the main thing the main thing and do my job during the Super Bowl and just go out there and just do the best that I can. But, but no, I was, I was tunnel vision. I was locked in. I had a schedule question, but I'll, I'll come back to that in a second because it just, you know, we talk about the players and the starters all coming back, which is unprecedented in and of itself, but also the coordinators and the coaches coming back which is Everybody. really like, you know, teams typically just pick off the coaching staff 
from right. championship teams. I'd like to talk to you about your D coordinator, in particular, Ty Bowles, and just, and just what you learned from him, what you saw from him, how much better he made you, um, yeah. you know, in terms of your rookie year and, and, and what, you're, what you see out of him that, that you see, you know what, this guy, he needs another shot at being a head coach. Yeah, for sure. Um, Ty Bowles, man, defensive guru. Um, he was always dialing up different things for us. He was putting us in great uh, positions for us to make plays. Um, I feel like our defense is so diverse. You can use us pretty much anywhere. So week to week, he was just giving us different looks, um, you know, confusing different offenses and things like that. But he's a defensive guru, uh, cool dude, um, and super smart, super intelligent of the game. And just being around him and um, just learning from him has been great for me my first year. And I'm glad I get to be able to do that again this year. So I was going to ask you about the schedule because everybody's eyes immediately went to week four, October 3rd, Bucks at Patriots, Brady goes back to, to Foxborough. Uh, what, where did your eyes fall to? What stood out to you about your now 17-game schedule? Um, when you look at it, you say, oh, okay, is there, is there a game that you have circled on the schedule? Uh, for me, and don't tell me it's um, game to game. Don't tell me it's one game at a time. Please don't nah, do that. Nah, nah. Please, like, don't, don't do the one game at a time. Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> the, team, the team that I look forward most to playing is the Saints every year. Um, playing them last year, I, I, I felt the rivalry. And, you know, that, that I feel like both of those games, when we play them, those are the ones I'm going to be looking forward to. But other than that, I'm week to week. <laughs> A little extra on the Saints, though. <laughs> okay. So did, I can see that it's always extra with them. Somebody, it's always chipping yeah. with, between the Bucks and the Saints. Somebody always yeah. getting kicked out. Something always going down. Somebody, somebody on the other team's bench. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just then, drama. I, I, it doesn't yeah. sound bad. Then blood. last year, last year they danced on y'all in the post game in the locker room. They had the whole dance thing going. So yeah, we, I yeah. seen it. Mike's <laughs> right. Are you happy? Well, did you see yeah. it? Did you, did you well, put any comments? Were you commenting? <laughs> Were you commenting nah, on no it comments. when you watched it? <laughs> no comments. <laughs> Just was prepared the, the next there time we go. played them. So no comments. Well, you, you definitely got the last word in the Super Bowl. And we will see the Bucks three times uh, on NBC, starting with the opener against the Cowboys. So it's going to be fun. It was fun talking to you, man. Congratulations on the championship. Oh, you know what I didn't ask you? I'm sorry. I actually do have one more. I do have one more. I just want to, we're both fathers on this, on this, uh, this show, brother from another. Michael and I both have three kids. You know, mm-hmm. we, uh, we, 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 we pray that we get a chance to, to watch them grow up and succeed in, in their calling and their chosen profession. I would love to know what you've seen that your championship mean to your father. What, what did the Super Bowl title mean to him? Everything. You know, um, when he came down to the field afterwards, I felt like he was more excited than I was. He was just happy. He was proud. Because, um, you know, he, he played for 14 years and, and never went to the Super Bowl, and I go my first year and win one. And he knows what it takes to get there, and so he was just super excited and proud. So that was a special moment, man. That, that's something I remember for the rest of my life. Yeah. But he, he was super happy. And, I oh, imagine that's great he was more happy way. for you than he would have than he would have been for himself. He was more happy yeah. for you than he would have been for himself. I bet. I, yeah, I think so. I think so. Hey, and, and by the way, tell him we said what's up because uh, Antoine yeah. Winfield is from Akron, Ohio, my hometown. Yep. So okay. I always followed him. I always followed him yeah. at Ohio State, uh, and just happy to see what he was able to do in his career. And so just. To, to continue that tradition, another Winfield, another generation goes yeah. on to win the Super Bowl. So that's it's great. crazy, man. 
Like you like we 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 officially oh I mean I, I covered your dad when he was with the Bills. That's crazy. So it's like I just I, this is yeah. We 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 at that stage of our lives and careers now. We covering players' it's sons. <laughs> so, I remember his draft day. Yeah, man. I remember Winfield's yeah, draft day, yeah. man. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, man. That's wild. Hey, congratulations on the clothing line. Good luck with that venture. Uh, all the best uh, this coming season, man. And uh, we look forward to talking to you down the road. All right, that sounds good. I appreciate it, y'all. All right, man. Be good. All right. Send some gear. <laughs> Got to get a sense of gear to us. <laughs> nice. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, Mike. So uh, last week, we were not here. Uh, just took some time. You did your thing. I did my thing. And, you know, it was... It was good just to just to refresh for a second. And one of the things I did last week, last Tuesday, as a matter of fact, I got my second, I got my second shot, Moderna. Nice. So uh, fairly soon, I will officially be fully vaccinated. Now I'm glad I did, did it. Did side effects? I did it with. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I did. Now, see, you now, did. Okay, the first time. Did you? Yeah, I did. So the first one, first one, just a little soreness in my left arm. All right, fine. Soreness, yeah. That went away. Yeah, that went away. A few hours, no big deal. Second shot, I felt the soreness immediately. Then a few hours later, I couldn't even, you know, I was trying to lift my arm. Yeah. I was really struggling, had, uh, had some chills, was really tired. Well, and your, then was able to your after a good night of sleep. It. Yeah. Yeah. After a good night of sleep that night, because I got it uh, done like nine o'clock in the morning, nine thirty in the morning. So that yeah. whole day, I was just kind of, just like a slug. Next morning, I had no side I was effects. In good shape. You had no side effects. I had no side effects. None. I was like, did like, they give it to I me? I was, I was like, is this? Is it? So I, I had to Google it. I was like, wait, is it normal to not have any side effects? Is it's like, nope, nothing to worry about. Still working, you know. So no, I, I, I avoided. My anything. wife, I am Moderna too, by the my way. My wife had a, my, my wife had a hard time. She had a hard time. I'd say if if my effects were anywhere from sixteen to twenty hours, hers were about forty eight to fifty four. I mean, she really mm. it took her a while to just kind of, to kind of get past it. But so yeah, so as, Friday as I, Friday was my two week mark. So I'm I'm two weeks out, and then last week 
while you were getting your second, you and Oni were getting y'all second shots, my two oldest kids, Savannah and Mason, got their first shots. So I, because they, 13 and, and almost 15. So they both got theirs too. So we're about to be fully vaccinated in this mug. And, and vaccinated look, and like, I think it's great. I think it's great. Um, I'm already thinking of some things that that I want to do when I'm fully vaccinated. You know, it's, it's you, you feel a sense of relief. You feel good about it. But I still come back to this. I know there's a lot of debate and a lot of questions over the CDC. And the CDC confused a lot of people uh, with a recent announcement about masks. Hey, you can wear, you can take off your mask indoors if you're fully vaccinated. You know, it, it was just kind of going around and round. And some people are fully vaccinated and still wear masks. Uh, some people are fully vaccinated, so they don't wear their mask. It's all over the place. I just look at it. I, I feel, I don't, tell me if you, if you see it the same way I do. Right now, in May of 2021, when the pandemic is not over, I say the CDC can say whatever it wants. I told you before, I'm a mask guy. So my mission really, even after being fully vaccinated, my mission, uh, call me vapid if you want, superficial, I don't care. What I'm trying to do in the next several weeks is to find some stylish masks because I'm going to be rocking them for a while. I'm just going to wear masks. And I, I, there it is. There it is. Oh, yeah. Can oh, I, I like it. I got, I got, That's I what got, I'm talking I got, about. A, I got three. So I got, I just got this joint right here. That's one. Oh, that's good. Very, very comfortable. Very breathable. All uh, oh, you got stance. You, got you can hook me up with free. Iron Man joint. A little Iron Man. See? A little Iron Man. Arm, little Armored Avenger right there. I'm not going to put it all the way on, but you see it. You get the idea. Yeah. The Armored Avenger joint. Right? Like it. And then, uh, of, course, of course, I got cap. There you go. On your left, Boom. Cap. Boom. On your left, yeah. So, uh, I, got, I, I spent too much money because I, I look at masks the same way I look at a belt. You know, like, could I wear yes. pants without a belt? Yes. Sure. Sure. But I like to do, wear belts do and I, want I to? invest money in nice belts. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, and like same with a mask. I'm so used to wearing a mask now. I'm comfortable with it. And I, I think it's a stylish accessory when you do it right. So, yeah, I'm with you. You know what? I, I agree. I agree. It is a stylish accessory. And, and it's something my doctor said. He probably this was. Man, this must have been almost a year ago. I, I've, I've told you before, I love, the, I love the doctor that I have. If, if you can, get yourself a good primary care physician who you trust, you have a good relationship with, it'll bless you. So my doctor is amazing. Love this guy. Love this brother. Good brother. Good, good doctor. Good friend. So it must have been last spring. We're early in the pandemic. I go, I go to a doctor's appointment, and he says, you know, one thing about masks, he said, I don't know how it's increasingly becoming political with the mask. He said, one thing it will do, he said, and I'm interested to see how this plays out. He said, flu season is going way down. He said, with more people wearing masks, you're going to have fewer cases. You're going to have fewer people who are bothered by the flu, common cold, 
some of the things that we just say, oh yeah, it's the fall, so here it comes. I enjoyed it. Let me tell you, I enjoyed not having, I think this may have been the first time in 10 years that I didn't have the flu in the fall. Really? Oh, I brother. You get the flu. Believe me. I never get the flu. I get the flu. Wow. Interesting. I always get it. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, and, other countries have been doing this for, for years. If you ever been, if you ever been to Asia pre-pandemic, this year. plenty of people wore masks in crowded areas. Dude, I'm a mask there's, there's, guy. There's nothing unusual Go ahead and look overseas. at me sideways. So, I don't care if you look at me sideways. You go ahead and look at me sideways. Go ahead, say something. Say something. Go ahead, say something. I don't care. I don't no, care. but I, I think I think with the, I with the CDC in. story, first of all, they, you know, they're saying it's the science, but it's like from a practical standpoint, it doesn't matter if somebody's lifting the mask restrictions for fully vaccinated individuals if you're not going to check to see who's fully vaccinated. So really what it comes down to is the same thing as always come down to, which is people are going to do what they want. There's going to be some state right. and local ordinances, some, some local guides, but, in, but individuals, this whole situation has been political because people have rooted a public health measure. They've rooted it in personal freedoms. You know, like I, like, I want to be free to not wear a mask, but what about the person who wants to be free to not contract COVID? And so not only am I going to wear, I'm, I'm going to wear, even though there have been some breakthrough positives and in the sports world, obviously the Yankees are right. at the top of that list in terms of major stories about how you can yeah. be vaccinated and still contract it, which all along, I never said it was going to, you weren't going to be immune from contracting or carrying COVID. You're going to be immune from the symptoms and hospitalizations or death, as the case may be. You're going to be protected yeah. from that. Yeah. So it's not just that I'm wearing it because I'm comfortable wearing it or because you can still contract it. I, I'm not trying to give it to anybody else. I think it's still our social and societal duty to still continue to wear masks until this thing is completely eradicated. And we're not going to be in a safe zone. Uh, we're halfway to the population, uh, 70% of the population being vaccinated, I believe. I think we had 36% or something like that. But if, if, if it's going to be hard to get there. Up to date. It's going to be hard to get to 70. We're a long way it's gonna be hard. from being able to just take these joints and say these are a thing of the past. Not only are these not a thing of the past, we got to continue to be comfortable wearing them, but it goes back, I'll, I'll, be, I'll repeat myself. The people who have been wearing masks are probably like us and are going to be inclined to continue wearing masks because it's, it's not that much of an imposition for us. It never was an imposition for us. So the CDC coming around and saying, oh, if you're fully vaccinated and you're outdoors, you don't have to wear masks. That's not going to really change our approach. The people who were anti-mask and, were, and, are, and are probably like, also anti-vaccine and we're never trying to wear masks, going to be like, oh, well, that's nice. Well, cool. Well, thank you for giving me permission to do what I was going to do anyway. You know, so I, I think it was a lot of confusion, uh, maybe seen as some kind of incentive to get people vaccinated. But if people were going to be incentivized to get vaccinated by not wearing masks, guess what? They weren't wearing masks to begin with. You know, like nobody, like it, it was the people who want to get vaccinated or are, are if, if it's available. I'm not talking about the people for whom it's not whom it's not available, you know, who are having trouble getting access to it. I'm not talking about them. People who could get it but have decided not to do it for whatever reason or not going to be moved because the CDC says, well, if you're fully vaccinated, you ain't got to wear a mask. They just going about their business not wearing masks regardless. Yeah, and I think, you know, my, uh, on, on top of that, on top of masks, I think it's I think it's a larger conversation in general 
I mean, you can't have uh, if somebody and it, I guess it all depends on how you viewed the pandemic, what your what your approach was, what your perspective was when we first heard in March of 2020, OK, everything is shut down. There's no NCAA tournament, NBA on pause, NHL on pause, MLB on pause, everything is shutting down the sports world and, and, and everywhere else. Restaurants closing, all sorts of things. What was your perspective at that time? So it really depends on where you were, how you viewed it. And if you viewed it um, seriously, if you said, okay, I'm going to follow these guidelines. I am going to social distance. I wear, I will wear a mask. I will be careful about uh, having, I'm not going to throw a party. I'm not going to be uh, at some super spreader event or cause one. If you're one of those people, it just stands to reason that I said that was in March 2020. Here we are in May of 2021. A lot of people had a year in relative isolation. And so coming out of that, it's not just the mask. The mask is really the tip of the iceberg. The larger conversation, I think, is just interacting with people again. I think that's going to be difficult. Are you so are you are you for? Yeah, for, for a lot of people. Now, if, if, if by difficult, I, I miss, like, Michael, I was, I was, I was socially distant before the pandemic. The pandemic only gave yeah. me reason to do what I was going to do anyway. I ain't got time to be bothered with y'all. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so now coming out of it, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm not falling over myself to just be out socializing, you know, but what I was right. going to ask you is because I, I, I will tell you this. Are you, so when you say you, you're going to continue wearing masks, are you a strict mask person, like 100% of the time you leave your house or only in certain settings? And the reason I ask that, I'll just answer my own question real quick, is I did attend an outdoor fully vaccinated barbecue on Saturday with just like a handful of people, close friends who were fully vaccinated. Nobody was all up in each other's face. Again, it was outdoors in their backyard. And I felt comfortable given that I'm vaccinated, they're all vaccinated. We weren't showing cards or nothing to get in, but nonetheless, we had all you know taken proper precautions. But if but when I go to my kids basketball games, for example, that's where else I went this weekend at all four games at these facilities, the officials were still wearing masks. The players were wearing masks. All the spectators, yours truly included, were all wearing masks. Um, so I didn't know if you were absolute with it or if you were going to kind of pick yeah, your yeah, spots or. Yeah, I, yeah, I put okay. it on. I, I really I just put it on. I just. And I'm comfortable yeah. with it. Yeah. For the, Actually, I'm 90. Like I'm 99 percent of the time. I'm 99 percent of the time. I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wear it moving forward. There may be some exceptions like, it, it, you know, at that backyard bar, I was comfortable being outside among other people that I knew were vaccinated. But the problem is, again, you don't know who's vaccinated and who's not. Um, and it's probably also in our best interest to not pass it if we're carriers. Um, Yo, can we take this yeah, break? Because I want to pivot to another topic before our company comes. Go ahead, say this real quick. Yeah, yeah, just real quick. I'll say this. And last thing I'll say, then we'll, we'll take a break. Um, as you know, Massachusetts is, is one of the leading uh, states in the country in, in vaccinations. It, it's way up there. Massachusetts has done an incredible job of just being on top of this. And, you know, living here, you know, you'll, you'll walk around, and if people don't see you with a mask on, first of all, they'll look in your hand, See, okay, you just took it off temporarily. Yeah. Maybe like, hey, what's up? Yeah. What's up? You better, you better, you better put that on. <laughs> so, I mean, people here have taken it seriously uh, the entire time, and unfortunately, 
fortunately slash unfortunately, a lot of the mask wearing by state goes by who that state voted for. Political. President. Right. So Spol- Massachusetts. Yeah. Red state, blue state. I think the last time yeah. Massachusetts voted for a Republican for president was 1984, where everybody voted for Ronald Reagan then. Everybody did. <laughs> so it's been a long time. It's a blue state, reliably blue state. And so people here have been uh, dutiful. They've been really conscientious about masks. But I heard uh, a pastor just uh, yesterday talking about, uh, dur- during a sermon, he said, hey, by the way, we're about to uh, get, in Massachusetts, in Boston, we're about to get back to having people in the building, probably in July. We're not going to have a huge crowd in the beginning. We're going to do it. And I was thinking, I love church. I love hearing the word, but um, yeah, I think we're going to continue with bedside. We're going to continue with bedside Baptist for a little bit (laughs) before we go back. Listen, I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you. All right, let's go to this break. Um, um, we got some more company on the other side, but I want to oh, I want to get into I want to get into a Kyrie Irving conversation before we bring in Tom Haverstro, your, your favorite Good. player, Kyrie Irving. Did did a, hey, did a couple of like special it. things over the last couple of days. Yeah. What'd you just say? I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Mike, um, we were talking about Steph Curry earlier and talking about um, in something intangible being uh, more important than the MVP award. The, the respect that he's getting as a result of his performance this year having more weight to, at least in my opinion, than a third MVP, as I, as I put it earlier. What's the difference between two-time and three-time when you're already all-time? Um, and that's easy for me to say, you know what I mean? I got zero MVP, so, you know, we, we know these guys love to keep stacking these joints. Um, I think it's safe to say, um, you know, I never say never, but it's unlikely. It's unlikely that Kyrie Irving will ever win MVP. Um, probably will never get the narrative, at least not with mainstream media, and, you know, probably will never play on a team again where he is the undisputed best player and everything is running through him. I think the most important player, and I think, I think you said it best, that James Harden wasn't a luxury but a necessity. We saw that when he got hurt. Most important player yeah. uh, is James Harden. The best player is Kevin Durant. But Kyrie Irving... Uh, one could argue this year, and, I, and I'm going to use this word. I, I, I didn't think about the word I was going to use. But ironically, one could argue was their most dependable player. 
among the stars mm. was their most dependable. One could argue. Um, given the injuries to the other two. And not only that, but he got something. He joins a club, an exclusive club this year, a club that is more exclusive than most valuable player. Um, and maybe it is just the nerd in me, uh, <laughs> but no, uh, this is good. I got tingles. This I got chills club. when a good club. he joined yesterday. The the very exclusive by exclusive. I mean, they got nine people in this joint. This is the VIP section of shooters. There's the shooters club and there's the VIP section. They got nine people sitting behind that velvet rope getting bottle service. And they've done it 13 times in NBA history. Now they shoot 50% from the field, 40% from three, and 90% from the line. And Kyrie Irving joins uh, contemporaries, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Malcolm Brogdon having done it. And you'll see one guy's name is up there four times. And that's Steve Nash, who remember last week we were talking about, or two weeks ago, we were talking about greatest shooters of all time. I, I said we didn't apologies mention. to Dirk Nowitzki, and I did. No, I did. I couldn't put him in, oh, in the did. top yeah. five because of five. Well, I definitely mentioned Steve Nash. I said apologies to Steve and Dirk and probably Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is the one person I don't think I mentioned that I, I should have, but just props to their head coach. So the head coach is coaching three of the greatest shooters of all time at any point are on the bench for the Brooklyn Nets. Nash is head coach and Durant and now Kyrie Irving joining a very exclusive, uh, exclusive cl- uh, club. Um, but more than, more than the statistics that he put forth this season, uh, along with averaging 27 points this year, is that he's done it without, again, in his own words, without basketball being his priority. People talk about the main thing is the main thing. Kyrie Irving's main thing is not basketball. Don't take my word for it. Here's what he said the other day. You know, for me personally, I, I'm not really um, you know, gonna. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like, a lot of stuff is going on in this world and uh, basketball is just not the most important thing to me right now. There's a lot of stuff going on overseas. All my people are still in bondage all across the world and there's a lot of dehumanization going on. So, you know, I apologize if I'm not going to be focused on y'all questions, you know, it's just too much going on in the world for me to just be talking about basketball. Like I focus on this 24 seven most of the time, but it's just too much going on in this world not to address, you know, it's, it's sad to see this going on. Um, and it's not just in Palestine. It's not just in Israel. It's all over the world, man. And I feel it. I'm very compassionate to all races, all cultures, and to see a lot of different people being discriminated from uh, upon or against being uh, discriminated against based on their religion, color of their skin, what they believe in, it's just it's just sad, you know. You know, we all say we're human beings and we care and we're compassionate, but um, you know, what are you doing to help? You know, and, and being in this gym, yeah, I'm grateful for opportunity. Yeah, it's a blessing, but my goal out here, my purpose is to help humanity, and I can't sit here and not address that. You know, um, I don't care which way you stand. On either side, if you're a human being, then you would support, you know, the, the uh, anti-war effort that's going on. There's a lot of people losing their lives, children, a lot of babies. And, um, you know, that's just what I'm focused on. So if you guys want to ask me questions about the game, I, I, you know, I really don't care about it. But uh, except just, you know, everybody leaving out of the game healthy and being able to go home to their families. 
so hey, Tom Haberstroh, uh, Tom Haberstroh standing by, so I don't want to take too much longer on this. So I'll, I'll, I'll say something, I'll give it to you, and then we'll bring in Stroh, talk about the significance of mm-hmm. this, uh, this accomplishment and other NBA topics. But I just want to say this about Kyrie Irving, who is becoming one of my favorite individuals, one of my favorite personalities, one of my favorite persons uh, in the NBA. And the reason is because he brings his whole his whole self to work, and he is the epitome. And, and I don't. And no disrespect to LeBron, who's doing doing it in his own way, and many others are doing it in his own way. But Kyrie has become the epitome in my mind of this is what I do, not who I am. And he didn't say I'm not giving y'all my time. I know he's been fined for not being accessible to the media. He didn't say I'm not giving y'all my time. He's like, but I want to use my platform to talk about what's most important to me. And what I've been blessed with this platform to do, which is affect change, uh, which is to make the world a better place. He's drawing attention to the violence that's going on in the Middle East right now. We know how philanthropic he's been, how out front he's been, how outspoken he's been, how involved he's been when it comes to racial and social justice here domestically. But for me to watch somebody go join a 50, 40, 90 club, essentially in his spare time. In terms of bandwidth, you know what I mean. Like it's like to be that brilliant, where you're like, yeah, on, on, when I in my in my day job on my side gig is I shoot 50, 40, 90, but my primary calling, you know, my 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 purpose is to help humanity. That's such a beautiful thing to hear. It's inspirational. Uh, people have talked about Kyrie Irving's leadership or lack thereof. I saw a lot of leadership right there. And the last thing I'll say is just the irony of somebody who was most famous at one point for saying that the earth was flat, his worldview is actually one that a lot more people, not just athletes, but a lot more people could stand to adopt. Oh, by the way, did I mention that he was fasting for Ramadan not that long ago? I mean, what an incredible accomplishment this season to be doing what he's doing off the court. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's uh, I think it's very interesting. It's inspiring. Uh, I'll say uh, just going all the way back to your appreciation for Kyrie Irving, the player. You know, he's never been a first team All NBA player in his career. Isn't that amazing? He's never been first team All NBA. I think the highest mm. he's finished second, second team All NBA a couple of times, but never a first team All NBA uh, type, which is shocking. Uh, the other thing is, I know he says what his priorities are. I think he probably puts more into basketball than he's willing to acknowledge when he's making <laughs> these points. I think he does. I think he puts more into it than he comes up. But I, his point is well taken. And I'll just say this. For Kyrie Irving and any other athlete, and let's see if Stroh agrees with this, it's not like we're, we're not talking about beat writers who are... Beat writers have changed. Uh, writer, the media has changed. So if Kyrie Irving comes out after a game and says, I don't want to talk about this blowout victory. I don't want to talk about this. I'd rather talk about what's on my mind. Most people in the media say, yes, good. We want to know you away from the court. Like most reporters, most reporters are looking for that. So this, what he did there. I would agree with that. you, You don't agree? No, I because said I would, I would agree say with that. For me? I'm sorry, I, I beg your pardon. I, okay, I, said, I, was, I, I was gonna say I would agree with that. I would have yeah, no, we're okay. not we're not we're much more receptive to I, I think there are fewer and fewer stick to sports reporters out there than there would have been 
a year ago, two years ago, years. three years ago, five years ago. Yeah, we, right. Definitely 10 years yeah. ago, for sure. Yeah, okay. Um, so let's yeah, go so ahead bring and, it uh, on. Let's bring, let's bring it on. Tom Good. into the conversation. Um, Tom, you, you are perfectly free to take this Kyrie Irving appreciation moment in whatever direction you, uh, you would like. I know you've got some perspective on him joining the 50, 40, 90 club, but even just as a journalist, as a storyteller, as a reporter, if you had just thoughts about his approach to his interaction uh, with the media and the public at large. Well, I'll just say that you were there with me, I think it was a couple years ago at the All-Star when we're at these media availabilities. Mike, uh, I, I remember seeing you how it was difficult to access different superstars at these media events. Yeah. And I think about yeah. that, Mike, because I think it's important to remember as reporters this season, and I'll speak for myself here, it's been difficult to really get anyone one-on-one -on -one to have open conversations with those athletes and really like those one-on-one -on -one conversations when you're outside the locker room or on the way to the bus or whatever it is, those are some of the most fruitful conversations you can have as an NBA reporter. And this year it's flattened mm -hmm. the playing field. We're only having these Zoom conversations. And I think a lot of reporters would like to have a long, um, open-ended conversation with Kyrie Irving. But in those media sessions on the Zoom calls with, you know, over a dozen reporters, it's not a um, it's not a great environment for those conversations. So I'll say for Kyrie Irving, I think in this media climate, he actually, uh, I think, is at a disadvantage this season on a Zoom call versus in-person interviews because yeah, I think you get a lot more robust conversations with a reporter you trust and someone you can see um, just their facial expressions mm -hmm. and have that that FaceTime. So I think it is interesting Kyrie Irving in this season has been um, more unapproachable than in years past from a media perspective when it is kind of just those those one on one conversations never exist in this in this media climate or in this yeah. in this pandemic. So it's interesting to think about the yeah. access that reporters have and how much he's willing to give up and how much it's different this year than in years past. You, so what do does it do for him? He's, he's always hear? been a brilliant player. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Follow up. Go ahead. Well, I, but I was I was going on the court. If you wanted to go, if you want to stay with this conversation about access, no, stay I, just, there. I was just, gonna go on the court. I, I guess yeah, yeah. Before you go up to court, I just want to say I, I want to ask Stro if do, do you think, as we were saying, uh, Mike and I agree that most reporters, if you go off script, so to speak, and you want to talk about what's going on. Uh, politically, socially, uh, away from the game, especially if you're playing the Oklahoma City Thunder or somebody like that. I think most reporters are are open to it. What do you think? That do reporters want to hear that kind of stuff from Kyrie Irving and others? I think they do. Uh, I think they also want to understand where the team is at and where James Harden's at and his comfort level with, uh, you know, Joe Harris or or Blake Griffin. Like they want both. They want a three dimensional look at the NBA player. Mm -hmm. And so I think. Look, there's 72 games in the NBA season. There's shoot-around. There's practice times. You're going to get a lot of basketball talk in there. But I do think it's important to have a three-dimensional look at, at NBA players, especially when they're a star caliber as, as Kyrie Irving. So it's got to come from both sides, in my opinion. Yeah. So I wonder, Yeah, he's always been a brilliant performer, specific, especially on offense. Uh, his skill set has never been in question. And it's funny, looking back at his other seasons, how close he's come to hitting 50, 40, 90 before this season. He's been, you know, 50 from the floor and 40 from three and 89% from the line or something like that a couple of times and, and mix, it, mix and match in those. So historically, Stroh, 
uh, but also just what does it do for a player's reputation to join a club that's got Durant and Bird uh, and Nash, um, that exclusive club that's been done 13 times, but nine individuals now can claim to have shot 50% and Nowitzki and Reggie Miller, Mark Price. I mean, it's a who's who of all-time great shooters. No disrespect to Malcolm Brogdon. But what does it do for one's reputation to join that club that's so exclusive? You know what's so funny about this, Mike, is that the hardest category of those three, 50, 40, 90, which one's the hardest, you think? 90. I bet you they're 90% from the line. Yeah, so really what we're we're talking about here is guys who are elite at the free throw line and also really good at scoring on like layups and stuff. Because 40% from three, if you're a great shooter, you're going to hit that mark. 50%, I think you need a lot of space. And that's what I love about this stat for for Kyrie Irving is when you're coached by Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni, and you're in that space first (laughs) offense, like run up and down the floor, have five out system where you're not gonna have a lot of conventional center out there. That's gonna be a really efficient season. And this year, more than any other season, we saw a lot of efficient numbers. You look at Nikola Jokic, you look at Joel Embiid, those two guys, those bigs, we're close to being in the 50-40-90 club this year. You're seeing all across the NBA shooting percentages go way up. And so I think it's actually fascinating to me that Kyrie Irving was the only one of all the NBA players to be in the 50-40-90 club this year because we're seeing over the last two decades, three-point percentage, uh, field goal percentage way up in this offensive first uh, mi- uh, mindset in the NBA. And so Kyrie Irving, when he does this, it should be notable because there are so many guys in the league who were very close but didn't quite get there like Kyrie did. So, Stro, let's talk about uh, – We I started to get into it a bit with, with Michael Smith on the Lakers. Uh, at best, they're going to be a seven seed in the playoffs and maybe even lower. Who knows what happens uh, Wednesday night against the Warriors. I think they've got a, a tough path in front of them uh, – I don't think most people agree with me. Uh, what do you think about the Lakers and, and who they are going forward and on their path toward a championship, potentially? Holly, I'm worried about them, particularly because what happened was six minutes and 35 seconds left in the fourth quarter against the Pelicans. LeBron tweaked his ankle again and had to leave the game and go mm-hmm. straight to the locker room. And everyone's going to say, hey, he's fine. Don't worry about it. Like, it's not a major injury. That's what they say no matter what. If you get your arms blown off before a finals game, they're going to say you're fine because they don't want to get seed any sort of advantage to the other team, right? We see this all the time in the league, but underneath that armor, underneath that facade of LeBron is fine, I think his ankle is hurting. And when you're going against Stephen Curry, you need not just 90% LeBron, you need 100% LeBron because of the roaming and having to go all around the floor and to chase Stephen Curry when he gets you know, switched off the ball. You need LeBron James at 100%. So I think in this game, I'm actually expecting the Warriors to win, particularly because I don't think LeBron James's ankle is nearly 100%. And secondly, as we saw when he landed on, on a Pelicans player's foot in the game, I think it's more prone to injury, that it's a weaker ankle. And so I think there's a really higher risk of re-injury. So for LeBron James, I don't think he's going to go all out in this game against the Warriors. I think they're probably going to look at more so making sure that they get into the playoffs in that second play-in game. So I think really the, the Ooh, Lakers with dangerous. Anthony Davis's minor minor injuries and also with LeBron's tweaked ankle, mm-hmm. I'm very worried about the Lakers going forward. All right. So, so let's do this then. Let's set aside uh, 
MVP and, and Steph's MVP case that LeBron championed. Let's set that aside to ask this question specific to the Lakers because this was really the root of our disagreement. Not really. We didn't really disagree. Like it was just I'm saying that no matter what the seed is, the Lakers are never anybody's underdog. However, I'll play along with this. Given LeBron's condition, if the Lakers have to do something unprecedented, which is win 17 games to a title or maybe even 18 games, as the case may be, because if, if you got the Warriors losing and they got to win against the winner of the Grizzlies and Spurs to be the eighth seed and then uh, excuse me, 17 has to be 17 games. If they got to win 17 games to win a championship and come from the rear to do it, starting with, as LeBron would put it, this year's MVP, what would that do? Now, that's a long way away from this, Strober. Just play <laughs> along with me. What would that do for LeBron's legend if he were to lead the Lakers to a championship under these circumstances in this condition? It would be incredible. I mean, he hasn't had an underdog team like this at a, at a, at a seven seed, potentially an eight seed win a title. You know why? Because most of his teams, he's at the number one seed, number two seed, because he's amazing and he's healthy. Like, this is the biggest thing here is we can't, we can't just ignore the fact that he's hurt, that he continues to be hurt. He came back from an ankle injury and then re-aggravated it. And last game, he aggravated it again. So we keep doing this math of like, hey, they're going to win 17 games. If they win a title, isn't that going to be an incredible thing? Well, the reason why they need to win 17 games is because they've been so mediocre this season. And the fact of the matter is when LeBron James is playing, they're good, but they just haven't been able to get their, their stars healthy at the same time, much in the same way with Brooklyn. Yeah. So yes, we can say if they win it all, that's an, an amazing accomplishment. But like, I, I actually come in from a different perspective. They should have been much better than a seven seed. We shouldn't be using that chip on their shoulder to make make it seem like LeBron's run this year is better. I just think that they should have been a better than a seven seed or an eight seed. They should be out of that playing game. We're spinning it. Like when bad things happen to the Lakers, we have to spin it as a good thing. Like that to me says more about the Lakers than the fact that they're in the playing game than just like saying, hey, we should we should praise them for being in the playoff. No, look, we got to talk about the fact that they're not 100% healthy here going into a tournament where I think the Milwaukee Bucks, the 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 Brooklyn Nets, the 76ers, then you have the clip. Like this is going to be a tough tough set. If they win it all, of course we can praise them for winning 17 yeah. games. But let's not ignore the fact that they yeah. are in the playing game. And the reason I asked that question was because Michael and I talked earlier and there are some cynics who think that LeBron is always calculating where it's like when he was laying it on thick to Steph Curry yesterday, that it was really laying the foundation for an amazing story, you know, about him walking uh -uh. uphill barefoot in the snow both ways and beating up the grizzly bears with a loose notebook. You, you know what I mean? That's what he was talking. You You're know. not buying this, You're Joe. You're not buying it. Hey, Holly, I'm saying there's more to it. Like, yes. Mike, you're right that he's propping up Steph right now to make any sort of, to, to set the expectations for this season. I think he's setting up Steph and Curry for his summer next year is trying to recruit him. The whole oh, so the recruiting to, angle. Okay. To me, what LeBron is saying about the MVP race or Stephen Curry is the MVP is all about his free agency next year. When Stephen Curry becomes a free agent, I think this is all about recruiting Steph to the Lakers. So wait, wait, come, come on, man. Steph don't yes. need to hear you whispering sweet nothings to the media. To so his decision going to come down. And, and you know plus, what? LeBron James said something nice about me a couple of years ago. <laughs> He's so? not going to leave hey. the Warriors. He won't leave I'm the Warriors. Saying, I'm saying LeBron is taking that door that's cracked open just a tad, 
and trying to pry it open as much uh-huh. as he can. And if Stephen Curry comes to the Warriors and says, look, I want a big trade to happen to this team so I can get help to win a championship. And let's say the Warriors don't comply. Then all this noise becomes mm-hmm. a lot louder. And LeBron James is sitting there being like, hey, remember when I got Rich Paul to represent Anthony Davis? <laughs> yeah, you weren't right. talking. You weren't expecting that at that point. But now they got Anthony Davis. Always be closing. All right. So on the MVP front, then how strong of a case does Steph legitimately have LeBron politics aside? How much of a, of a case does Steph Curry actually have for MVP? I think it's going to be tough. He's number two on my fake. I don't have a ballot this year, but he's number two on my ballot. And that's before the playing game stuff. So, um, you know, I actually had him much higher than most of my media brethren in this MVP talk. Yeah. Stephen Curry, I have, I have for a while. Uh, but Nikola Jokic, the fact that he's done this all season long, playing at such a high level, uh, I think to me means that he has a better campaign, MVP campaign than Stephen Curry. And you're talking to someone who is who's in in love with what Steph Curry does more than just about any media member. But I think when you look at the games played, the minutes played, it's just it's just so hard to overcome the fact that Nikola Jokic hasn't missed a single game this year, and he's averaging 26, 10, and 9 at the center position, which is insane, with nearly, as we talked about, 50, 40, 90, nearly 50, 40, 90 numbers for the entire season. So Steph Curry, amazing year. I don't think it gets talked about enough that they were 37 and 26 37 and 26 when when Stephen Curry was healthy and playing. So when we talk about them being like a 500 team all year, you're forgetting the fact that they were 37 and 26 with Stephen Curry this year, which is much better than just an eight. Hey, hey Mike. Hey, Mike, I thought about Stroh when I saw that Steph Curry yesterday attempted a career high 36 field goals and 22 threes. Career high 36 shots. I was like, that's what Stroh's looking for right there. So. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Take, fire, more. Fire. more. That's what I'm saying. Let's keep it going. Yeah. I, I got to tell you what, man. This is why the playoffs are so great. Because in the regular season, I've talked so much trash in the regular season about teams that can win it. Like I told Michael Smith, hey, man, hey, I, you, I, I can see, I can see uh, Phoenix coming out of the West. I've said all year Philadelphia is the best team in the East. But now when the playoffs are starting, now I'm getting a little nervous. I'm going back to the chalk a little bit. I'm looking at Brooklyn. I, I'm, I'm afraid of Brooklyn. Officially, I'll say it. I'm afraid of Brooklyn in the East. Uh, in the West, yes, I am afraid of the Lakers. I don't think they'll do it. I'm afraid of them. When you look at big, when you look at the big picture, who do you see? What two teams, like two or three teams, can't be more than that, two or three teams that you think you expect to emerge and, and uh, win a championship? This seems like chalk, but I really do like Philly this year. Philly and Utah, I think people are trying to convince themselves that Utah can't do it because the idea of Utah being in the NBA Finals is really upsetting to most NBA fans, right? Like we look at Rudy Gobert uh, and we just don't see championship caliber player, right? But like if there's a year where you could see a Philadelphia 76ers, Utah Jazz Finals, it's this one. Because you see injuries on both sides with the Brooklyn Nets and with the Los Angeles Lakers and with Kawhi Leonard's foot. And the fact that the Phoenix Suns are not playoff tested up and down the roster except for Chris Paul. This is the year where I think that I might not pick them to win the NBA Finals, Utah or Philly, but I think people are sleeping on both of those picks to win it all this season. I think if you're looking to pick someone at Vegas, an underdog to finish overall on top, like you got to go to with Utah because people don't want to believe 
that the Utah Jazz, with the number one record in the Western Conference this season, the first time they've ever done it in franchise, franchise history, can win it all. But remember, we said the same thing about the Detroit Pistons in 04, and they took down Carl Malone, Gary Payton, Los Angeles Lakers when they were trying to win it that year and go for a four-peat. So I think we have to remember this is a weird year, and I think we have to make credit, give credit to the Utah Jazz. I'm not saying they're going to win it all, but people need to give them more credit for what they've done this season and their chances of winning it all in the postseason. <clears throat> Michael Holly. Um I want to talk about, <laughs> I'm noticing your, as always, your awesome office decor. And you got, you know, over one shoulder, Grandmama and Muggsy Bogues. On the other shoulder, you got now Hall of Famer Tim Duncan. And, and what a phenomenal weekend it was. I mean, first of all, let's, let's start with, you know, Vanessa Bryant, uh, the warrior that this woman is. Kobe Bryant married a warrior woman and had a queen who's every bit as tough, if not tougher, than he was. I mean, my goodness, this woman's strength is something to behold. I was bawling like a baby watching her get through her speech and her dedication to Kobe. I also found myself crying, though, Stro. This comes to go back to your picture. Maybe I'm just a crier these days. Yo, Tim Duncan had me crying. Like, I mean, Duncan, like, his speech legitimately like moved me so I, I you know I, I don't really have a question I just was wondering your takeaways and not just on this year or the delayed 2020 Hall of Fame class but in 2021 you get Paul Pierce going you get my favorite player growing up both with the Fab Five and with the Warriors as a rookie Chris Webber and you get Chris Bosh who I know you know a lot of you know a lot about everything but you cover Chris Bosh very closely in those heat days so I just love your your thoughts on what we saw this weekend and we're going to see it in the next induction. Man, I had the Kleenex ready and all the tears flowing for the Kobe one, the Tim Duncan one. Um, but I got to tell you, the thing that stuck out to me, surprisingly stuck out to me, was C. Webb talking to Jalen Rose on, on national television. Now, for those who don't know, they've had an icy relationship throughout their uh, the last decade or so, back, back to the Fab Five days. And for Jalen Rose and C. Webb to have a moment on national TV, you could see the emotion coming from Chris Webber's eyes. Mid-interview, talking to Jalen Rose, who we mm. played with in the Fab Five, and crying, emotional, on national television, listening to Jalen Rose talk about where C. Webb came from, Detroit, and how proud he was of Chris Webber. I thought that of all the things that happened this weekend, that was the thing I was most surprised by is how emotional that was to see C-Webb get his flowers, not from just anybody, but Jalen Rose. Yeah, a lot of closure going on there. A lot, a lot of healing. And a, and a guy whose career has been uh, criminally underrated. Um, never underrated. Your information and your perspective, Tom Haverstroh. We appreciate you, brother. Thank you for falling through. Thanks, fellas. All right, man. All right. So got to watch out for the Utah Jazz, huh? Man. <laughs> Sleeper team. Number one seed. <laughs> Thank you. Sleeper. Appreciate you. Nobody's nobody's talking about. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
<laughs> All right, Mike. Um, so it's been a long time since I paid for tickets. One of the perks of being in this business is we get passes. Um, we got plugs. We get the hookup. I, I don't, not as strong as I used to have them. But it's been a while. I mean, I, you know, I never had to buy Super Bowl tickets because I was covering the Super Bowl, for example. But I got to say, man, I'm tempted to shell out for uh, Brady's return to Foxborough next October. Stop it. I mean, man. so, this, so I, this is probably outdated. But just to get in, $1,500 for like the worst seats in the house. $1,500. Fifteen hundred. Right. That was a couple. That was just a couple of days ago. It might. It might be higher now. I don't know. Um, Man, come on. But I. I don't. What you said? Why you? Why you? Seriously? Like you wouldn't? You don't? I. I want to be there. Yeah. Could I watch it in my den? Could I watch it on my base screen oh, TV? Yeah, not to worry about parking. That's what I'm talking this about. Is different. But Mike. But Mike. But Mike. Ain't nothing Mike, different. This is. Just cover it. This is big. Who you going with? Who are you going with, first of all? Who, I mean, who would I you take? bring to the game? Yeah. Not you, apparently. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would bring, I'd bring my family. I would bring my wonderful family. My, my, it's been a long hey, time since my kids have hey, been a game. I would bring, I ain't I would trying bring to go kids. with you anyway. Forget you. Yeah. No, I ain't trying I, to go I to mean, the game with you. I, I, can, I can feel the excitement Months away from not miles away, months away. Um, I mean, I don't think I, I think it's going to be. Listen, just let's just get this out the way. If anybody boos Brady, they're going to be ejected. They're going to be removed from the premises. I don't think anybody's going to get away with booing Tom Brady on that night. Nobody in, in his or her right mind. And they're going to get kicked how out. How long did you live here? How long did you live in Boston? Long enough to know. Long enough to know how much people worship that man. Yeah. Okay. Oh. They may love yeah. their team, worship. but they worship that quarterback. Hey, as I said, I never thought uh you remember when Eddie Murphy was talking about people were getting uh brothers were getting educated with the judge. You know, <laughs> your honor, so on and so forth. Your honor, and all my, I want I want for my yeah. sprained eye. I want like the twelve million, yeah. Yana. Twelve. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember. People were doing that with the flake gate. You know how many people filed amicus briefs? New England, like <laughs> New England lawyers, like talking about being railroaded, conspiracy theories on behalf of Tom Brady. Yes, that was true. Like Tom, ain't nothing. He ain't deflate those footballs. Ain't nothing happened. Hey, but why did the balls go? I don't know what happened. It was the uh, ideal gas law. I mean, brothers were talking about the ideal gas law. But remember that, that, remember that. that yeah. was when he was here. Tom Brady left. They're going to be like, I say 10, 15 percent of the people go boo. I'm just telling you right now. They will boo. But it's way too high. Way too the reason high. the reason I'm saying it's not worth paying fifteen hundred dollars. One the games right here on NBC. That's one Two, Mike. You it's a Sunday night game. You know, the traffic around Gillette Stadium. You ain't gonna have the best seats unless you want to pay real money. Just stay home. Watch it at home. It's gonna be great. You have the, it'll be a great but experience. You can say you were and, there. 
if you don't do that, uh, by, by October, you know, I'll be fully vaccinated next week. So if you go to the game, why don't you allow, allow me to come watch the game at your crib? Because you got a nice little setup there. So I'm just I do have a nice setup. I'm I just do. taking I do have a nice setup. I'll take advantage of the amenities I, I don't, at the Smith House. I'm not a scheduled person. I'm not a scheduled person. I don't get excited about the schedule, mainly because I'm not one of these fans that, you know, plans a trip around these games. But for obvious reasons, that one's as big I, as anyone that we can remember. So what would you yeah. tell me this? You, you, you're good at this. You're good at this. This is right. This is right in your wheelhouse, right in your wheelhouse. I'm throwing it down the middle, down the middle of the plate. 78 mile per hour fastball. Waist high. It's Just not very knock fast. it out. Yeah, right. I know. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's it's you. You should right. Right. you should hit the red seat in Fenway. Hit the red seat in Fenway off this. Mm-hmm. Um, Patriots versus Buccaneers. That is end game for Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is calling all of his sources together to get Brady. So who are they? Who are these people? Like Ernie Adams just retired. He's gonna bring Ernie Adams out of retirement. Romeo Cornell, I don't know what you're doing, Romeo. Uh, game, all his all his former defensive coordinators, Romeo Cornell, Dean Pease, Nick Saban. He's getting everybody together. This game plan is going to be bananas because he's so competitive. And it's not going to work. And they, they both. And are. it's not going to work. It's not going to matter. Is that going to work? It's not going to matter. I, I, you think Brady's going to win? even started yet. I'm picking the Bucks. You think Brady's going to do bucks. well in this yeah, game? I'm picking the Bucks. I hey, do. I think he comes hey, I, back. Remember, I, I don't know if you remember this. Wins, yes. When they played uh, first time, they, I know Bledsoe Brady, big difference. First time they played Bledsoe yeah. at Gillette Stadium. Ernie yeah, Adams. Yeah. Oh, at Gillette uh, Stadium. Who is yeah. At Gillette Stadium. So Ernie Adams, who David Halverson mm-hmm. once called Belichick's Belichick. I mean, that's his boy, you know, mm-hmm. like really, really mm-hmm. savant kind of just like just insane brain kind of guy. Tom uh, Drew Bledsoe threw an interception. Ernie Adams lost his mind <laughs> in the press box. Mm-hmm. Was dropping some MFs. <laughs> was like, yes, throw it in the traffic like you always do. Like you always do. Yeah. I mean, that's just for Bledsoe. I'm telling you. Yeah. Tom Brady not going to win this game. Tom Brady, th- this is not a win. This is a loss. It's multiple. My daughter just walked in here. Then, like, like she don't know what time it is. I still got a minute left. Don't worry, I'm gonna get you to practice. I'm gonna get you there. I always tell get it. you there on time. Tell um, her we said what's up. Yeah. So uh, Rogers is still a Packer. Watson is still a Texan. Uh, Tebow might be a Jaguar. Maybe we'll get into some of that. We're gonna talk about that. Tomorrow. Maybe not. We'll see how the day Order. goes. Maybe. No promise. Hey man, good to see you. No promise. Good to see you too, bro. All right, now. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal 
and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.